Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, May 3rd, 2016, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. We'll be leaving for the Crystal Quest in Arkansas next Tuesday, so we'll be back on the air on Tuesday, May 31st, and then our next Crystal Quest will be in October. Tonight, Veronica Entwistle returns to our show, bringing her unique style of wisdom through her book, My Near Life Experience, which chronicles the emergence of her true self and natural abilities. She's gifted with the conscious presence of guides and angels with clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, and healing energy. She hosts two radio shows called Paradigm Shifters and Radiance by Design, and podcasts of both of those are on her website, veronicaentwistle.com, and Veronica is spelled V-E-R-O-N-I-C-A, and Entwistle is E-N-T-W-I-S-T-L-E, veronicaentwistle.com. Veronica loves answering callers' questions about soul journey, purpose, and relationships, so we'll be opening the switchboard in the second half of the show so you can talk with her, and I will give that number just before we do that. At the top of the show, it's the Starseed News with Anastasia, bringing topics of interest that you won't hear in the mainstream. We'd like to thank Vanya for hosting the switchboard this evening and for any listeners that have a question or comment for our guest. If you'd like to chat with like-minded people, we have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and we always appreciate Tammy's dedication and help with our forum. You can download any show in our archives on iTunes or right from our Blog Talk Radio episode page using the cloud with an arrow on it. We'd appreciate your support of our show, and you can do that by clicking follow on our page here at Blog Talk, and you'll get our weekly show notice so you know what's coming up. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings in your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. Remote healing sessions for people and pets are also available with Tammy. If you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And then if you want an interpretation of that chart, which would be a stage two session, please order that at least two or three months ahead of time to make sure you get it in before your 10 hours because we do have a waiting list. So first this evening, I'd like to introduce Anastasia with her wonderful Starseed News. Okay, we well, get your mic open. <laughs> yes. Hello. Hello, good evening. Great to be back together with you again. And we have a lot of news to talk about, so I better get right into it. Um, right now, according to spaceweather.com, we are having negative magnetic fields from space that are sparking auroras across the northern latitudes of the planet. 
for the past three days, Earth has been passing through a region of interplanetary space that's been filled with negative polarity magnetic fields. Now, they say this is causing intermittent geomagnetic storms and beautiful auroras around both poles. Too bad we can't see that. And we're um, entering a stream of debris from Halley's Comet. That's the source of the annual Eckward meteor shower. Now, forecasters are expecting the shower to peak on the nights around May 5th and 6th with about 30 meteors per hour. And the best time to look, they say, no matter where you live, is probably during the dark hours before sunrise on Friday. Reports coming out now at this time, even though we're a tad early for the peak, say that they're picking up about 40 meteors per hour. They say it's really going to be a treat this time. So if you get a chance, get out and take a look. I love and those. today, May 3rd, there were potentially 1,697 hazardous asteroids. And, and now, uh, referencing last week's story about the magnetic field collapse and my suspicions regarding that, I want to thank Starseed Andrea for writing to me and sending me a link earlier today. Now, this link appears to shut the door on a bogus claim. It was YouTube member Suspicious Observers that claimed to be responsible for the viral story, and he's now retracting his claim of magnetosphere collapse in a recently posted video. Now, he admits that a collapse would cause the death of most people on the planet, and he says he read the charts wrong. He calls himself a dummy for not understanding the data, and he says the charts are easy to misunderstand. Yes, yes, indeed. Last week, I told you all in my research I was unable to decipher any of it, and that average people are unable to read this kind of data and make any sense of it at all. Well, which is exactly why we all must remember that much of what we hear and read on the net is really no more reliable than mainstream news. Now, alternative just doesn't make it true, and in my experience of providing news for the show, hardly any of the stories from our alternative news feeds are really worthy of reporting. Uh, much of what people record, say, and propagate, unfortunately, happens to be a reflection of their own biases and beliefs, and as the old saying goes, statistics don't lie, but liars use statistics. Now, to his credit, the man who posted the video bothered to reevaluate his position and then fessed up to his folly. And if only others would do the same. So, there you have it. No magnetosphere collapse. Well, Hubble, Hubble Space Telescope spots a tiny, previously unseen dark moon orbiting the Pluto-like dwarf planet. Hubble Space Telescope's Eagle Eye has spotted a tiny, previously unseen dark moon orbiting Makimaki, which is the dwarf planet next to Pluto. Now, Makimaki's bright light had obscured this little moon, which now may reveal more about the recently discovered Makimaki. A team of researchers happened upon this little tiny moon, and they nicknamed it MK2. Now, it's estimated to be just 100 miles across in diameter and it's circling Makimaki at an approximate distance of 13,000 miles. Hmm. Well, that's what they say. They think it's 100 miles across. Anyway, a new moon discovered. Wonder what else is out there, folks, they haven't seen, or that they've seen and haven't told us about. Right. Well, <laughs> we've had quite a bit of, of weather problems all across the planet. Because we're short on time during our newscast, I just picked things relatively close to home. Lots of floodings and bizarre weather events, but I'm going to start that section of tonight's news by telling you about what happened in Oklahoma. 
in Coweta, Oklahoma. A thunderstorm warning had been issued for that town on Friday and then opened up to put produce hailstones uh, that they said were golf ball-sized to uh, baseball-sized. The smallest size hail was golf ball-sized. And I watched the video on the net, and there was extensive damage to vehicles, and roofs collapsed, poked holes in roofs, damaged interior uh, things under these roofs. And uh, it was really major, huge, enormous hailstones, hail balls, baseball hail. So uh, people were, it's pretty awesome to listen to that. And uh, we had a 6.1 magnitude earthquake that struck western Indonesia. It was uh, uh, near the Sumatra Island of Indonesia, and they say no uh, immediate casualties were reported as of now, anyway. Not really that big of a quake, but big enough to note for sure. We call that a moderate earthquake. And a six-point magnitude earthquake struck off Manitou. Um, That was just a few days ago. And uh, we have had increased seismic activity reported at Nevado del Ruiz volcano in Colombia. The uh, seismological observatory there reported two moderate earthquakes after a swarm of minor quakes in the region of that volcano. Now, the quakes, they say, are related to rock rock fracturing, excuse me, and demonstrate a significant increase in the volcanic activity of the volcano. Now, that is one volcano I have not covered on this program. So that's news to me, and it's new to the content of this newscast. Well, we have three nuclear disasters unfolding in the country, and I wanted to just pass this along. Don't hear about it, so I think you should hear about it. And according to a Missouri emergency plan that was recently passed out by the St. Louis County people, officials, government officials, in recent months, they say that a fire at the Bridgeton landfill is closing in on a nuclear waste dump. Now, there's a landfill fire that's been burning for over five years, and they've been unable to contain it thus far. There are clouds of smoke that have been billowing from this site, making the air in parts of St. Louis heavily polluted. And in 2013, the Missouri Attorney General sued that company responsible for the landfill, charging that the company had harmed the local environment. Well, uh, uh, last year sometime, city officials became concerned that the fire may reach the nearby West Lake Landfill, which is filled with decades' worth of nuclear waste from government projects and weapons manufacturing. Now, remnants from the Manhattan Project and the Cold War have been stored there for decades. That's disaster number one, potential, not happening yet, but certainly something to be concerned about, and I cannot imagine a landfill fire that's been burning for five years and uncontained, headed toward a nuclear waste site. Well, the second incident is coming out of Florida. And a recent study commissioned by Miami-Dade County decided that the area's four decades-old nuclear power plants at Turkey Point are leaking polluted water into Biscayne Bay. This has raised plenty of alarm among county officials and environmentalists that the plant, which sits on the coastline, is polluting the bay's surface waters and its fragile ecosystem. And this story, according to the New York Times. Now, in the past few years, or past couple of years, the water near the plant has had large saltwater plume that's slowly moving toward the wells several miles away that supply drinking water to millions of residents in Miami and in the Florida Keys. 
of samples taken during the study show everything from isotopes of uh, radioactive isotopes of all kind kinds, one particular tritinium, uh, to elevated levels of salt, ammonia, and phosphorus. And that's not all. We have another one. 1,500 miles away from that is the Indian Point Nuclear Power Plant in New York. Now, since the beginning of this year, there's been an uncontrollable radioactive flow from the Indian Point Nuclear Power Plant continues to leak into groundwater only 25 miles from New York City. Why? Because in January, workers accidentally spilled some contaminated water, and they caused a massive radiation spike in groundwater monitoring wells, with one well's radioactivity increasing by as much as 65,000%. Now, this particular titanium leak is the ninth in the past year, four of which were severe enough to shut down the reactors. Is anybody home out there? Come on. Uh. Anybody home Oh, All right. Well, <clears throat> the North Atlantic Ocean. Any of you see that uh, old movie? Um, shoot. Oh, boy. Day After Tomorrow. That's what it was. Well, here's a story right out of that, actually. The headlines uh, on this article is that the North Atlantic Ocean is showing signs of shifting to colder temperatures. Um, according to experts, the North Atlantic is showing signs of a possible long-term shift back to colder than normal sea surface temperatures, which experts claim will have some, quote, significant impacts on northern hemisphere over the coming decades, end quote. And thus, this would be a major blow to climate science forecasts of a melting Arctic and a warming global temperature. They say that the uh, cooling North Atlantic will also have serious ramifications for our climate in North America, they say that uh, it will be probably much colder, and uh, when it's warm, it will be much warmer. So the weather, they say, will be more extreme. They say that if these trends continue, it means that the global warming scare will be proven as false. Well, in our Science in the Social Order section, I don't often announce the sections to you, but I try to group the news accordingly, so I'm just telling you what's coming up next. <laughs> There's been an Oxford study, a new study, and it's providing evidence that the existence of a surveillance society breeds fear and conformity and stifles free expression. Now, reporting on this study, the Washington Post has written, quote, if we think that authorities are watching our online actions, we might stop visiting certain websites or not say certain things just to avoid seeming suspicious, end quote. Well, this new study does document that in the wake of the 2013 Snowden revelations, there was a 20% decline in page views on Wikipedia articles that related to, well, terrorism and things that mentioned suspicious keywords. Experts are saying that people were afraid to read articles about those topics because of fear that doing so would bring them unwanted attention. And in addition, a 2015 study just last year um, examined Google search data and showed that, post-Snowden, users were less likely to search using search terms that they believe might get them in trouble with the government, and that these results suggest that there is a chilling effect on search behavior from government surveillance on the Internet, as well as, according to other experts, uh, a guarantee that the democratic debate in our society is being squelched. Well, um, guess what they're 
putting together on farms, folks? Could it be human-animal chimeras? chimeras? <laughs> yes, it is. Well, a radical new approach to generating human organs is to grow them inside of pigs or sheep. Now, this has been disapproved by some uh, corners of science, but uh, some U.S. research centers are moving ahead with attempts to grow human tissue inside pigs and sheep with the goal of creating hearts, livers, or other organs that, that are needed for transplants. Well, the effort to incubate organs in farm animals is obviously ethically charged because it involves adding human cells to animal embryos in ways that could blur the lines between species. Now, last September, in a reversal of earlier policy, the National Institutes of Health announced it would not support studies involving such human-animal chimeras until it had reviewed the scientific and social implications more closely. The agency, in a statement, said that it was worried about the chance that animals' cognitive state could be altered if they ended up with human brain cells. Hmm. Wow. And you know what they're doing in Sweden? The Swedish government is taking an extremely bizarre commitment to fighting climate change by spending large sums of taxpayer money to develop meat made from mealworms and crickets. The Swedish government agency that distributes money for research and development is spending some, oh, almost 3 billion kroner, or about $300 million, to replace a conventional meat with climate-friendly insect meat and other odd alternatives. Well, in the U.K., parents across England are preparing to take their children right out of school for a whole day. They're protesting over unnecessary new examinations and a lack of creative learning within the primary school system. Now, the protest comes as head teachers warn that children as young as six are becoming anxious and stressed over the national curriculum tests. This is for first graders, folks. And almost 30,000 people have signed a petition in favor of the SATS boycott, thousands pledging to take part in a day of fun learning out of school with their children so that they can promote the value of creative outdoor learning. Now, parents are saying that their children's mental health is being at risk from the stress of sitting exams too young, sitting exams such as the SAT test. Children are feeling like failures and crying about school, first graders. All year, studies are drilled into them about comprehension and arithmetic just so, that they, just so that they can pass these tests. Parents are saying that outdoor learning has decreased, childhood anxiety and mental conditions are increasing, that real games have been replaced with grammar and so-called games that play with punctuation. So parents are demanding an end to these stressful and unchildlike, what they call testing schemes, and they're taking their kids out of school for a day to go out and play in the park. Splendid. Wonderful. Wow. And when we get to the end of the news, you're going to find out what's really so wonderful about that. But in Hayden Island, Oregon, federal air monitoring repeatedly is detecting a poisonous gas on Hayden Island, where residents have complained for months about air pollution that's so thick they could taste it. Well, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency wouldn't answer requests for details about the discovery of hydrogen sulfide, which is a colorless gas that smells like rotten eggs. 
and they say that the agency has not informed residents about what it's found. And this is according to OregonLive.com. Now, the article states that a spokeswoman for the EPA just said that dangerous gas was found at high levels that would be not long-term, not cause long-term damage, but it would cause reversible short-term health effects like headaches and shortness of breath. Well, anyway, the federal agency's refusal to divulge basic information about its findings continues a series of slow disclosures about Portland's toxic air that have left thousands of people worried about whether they're breathing clean air or not. So if you live in Portland, you know anything about that, you've been experiencing that, send me an email, tell me what your experience is. And uh, uh, news about crystals tonight. This comes from fizz.org. New research is suggesting that the very oldest pieces of rocks on Earth, zircon crystals, are likely to have formed in the craters left by violent asteroid impacts that's peppered, that peppered our newborn planet rather than uh, plate tectonics, as was previously believed. So did you all know that zircon crystals are the oldest rocks on Earth? That's pretty amazing. And that now they think that they were formed by asteroid impacts. That would have been so very, very long ago when crystals were formed right along at the birth of this planet. And as we all know, a starseed, crystals are wonderful things. So, very special, very special. Well, you know, a lot of us get down in this day and age about a lot of things. Starseeds are in much of an exception to that, but nevertheless, all of us being human, we have our downtimes particularly when you have a high frequency and you are living in a world that isn't resonating quite up to where you need it to be. But do you really want to feel good? Do you want to maybe get undepressed, maybe get a little closer to spirit, maybe get a little closer to your soul, maybe open up those channels of communication to just spiritual assistance, guidance, health, and well-being? Well, guess what? Research is now telling us that all you have to do is put your hands in some dirt. And recall that those parents in England are taking their children to play out for a day in the park to get some real education. Well, that's just probably inspiration on my part. Good intuition on the parents' fault, on the parents' part, because now uh, studies have shown that soil microbes have been found to have similar effects on the brain, like Prozac, minus the side effects and the potential of chemical dependency that prescription drugs can cause. That's right. Soil microbes and human health have now been positively linked through recent research. Now, the natural antidepressant in soil is called Mycobacterium vaci, which stimulates serotonin production. Now, you all know that low levels of serotonin causes depression, anxiety, OCDs, and other mental problems. Well, you want to counteract feeling blue? Get your hands in the dirt. Gardeners have often claimed that the garden is their temple, where they can de-stress and find happiness. And now we know there's science to back that up. Now, microbacterium antidepressant microbes in soil, they say, will also help improve cognition or thinking. And they reduce inflammatory and autoimmune conditions because they cause an increase in cytokines. 
Now, for example, soil bacterium was tested both by injection and ingestion on rats, with results showing an increase in cognitive ability, a reduction in stress, and an improvement in concentration on tasks. So those who garden or plant can reap the benefits as they inhale the bacteria, as they get it on their hands, and even into their bloodstreams through an open wound or maybe other pathway opening. It's been found that the natural effects of the soil bacteria antidepressant can last up to two weeks or more, maybe three. So how do you do this? How do you cash in on this wonderful gift? Well, you get outside and play in the life-energized dirt. Plant some vegetables, some flowers, or bushes, and you'll not only increase your mood, but you will feed your soul. Walk barefoot on the soil. Some of these people out there call that uh, earthing, which is a beautiful word. But whatever you call it, allow Mother Nature, the divine living mother, to heal you in body, mind, and spirit. I just did that the other day. I went out and planted some flowers and got my hands in the dirt. And my goodness, what a surge of wonderful, divine, perfect, exquisite energy. Made me feel good for days and days. Still feeling good. So try it out and get close to the earth. And you're all going to be taking a trip to Arkansas, and it's a good chance to dig. Not only are you going to get some crystals, but you're going to get your hands in the dirt. I can't think of anything better. What a beautiful way to be. Keep on shining. You, you are all so precious. And from my heart to yours, have a beautiful few weeks until we talk again. I'll hold down the fort in the news department. I won't have anybody to be telling it to, <laughs> but I'll save up <laughs> some of it for you so you won't miss too much. Thank you, Ariel. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Anastasia. I love those stories, you know, especially that last one. I'm going to run outside and, and uh, put my hands in the dirt. Uh, I'm telling you, folks, it's the best. I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, thank you so much, Anastasia. And uh, yeah, you're right. We're going to be we're going to be off for the next three weeks, but we'll look forward to um, more Starseed news when we get back on the 31st of May. So, with that, um, I'm going to bring Lavendar online, and then our guest Veronica, who is here with us on the switchboard. So, let me get your mic open. Come on, click, click. Okay. All right, Lavendar and Veronica, you are both live on the air. Veronica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you with us. We just love your um your your wisdom and and the uh the the humor that you use to deliver it is really really unique and precious. So, um uh, Lavendar, are you. you there? I'm here. Okay, great. Okay, Veronica. Oh, I'm so Hi. glad that, that you're our guest tonight, and you have a new book out. So let's let's talk about the new life experience. Your your near death. No, I'm sorry, near life experience. That's the name of your book. <laughs> yes. You know why, don't you? It's because I think most of us live kind of near what we think we are, but we don't actually live what we really are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. True. Yeah, and so my book is all about that journey of kind of discovering more about more about myself, and uh, it's all about me, as they say. But I really don't think we can create our 
pathway and contribution in the world if we really don't know how we run ourselves, you know? Yes, it's, it's like the uh, a person needs to find out their uh, their positive aspects, their negative negative aspects, so that they can blend both and and function in in a third dimensional world. Although a lot of star seeds function on many different simultaneous dimensions at the same time, which is kind of a um, a tricky part for all of us because we have one foot <laughs> in one world and one foot in another. Hopefully, nothing will split us in the middle. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like that you I think, have really. I think our hair. I think our hairdo has a lot to do with it because it's the antenna, isn't it? You know. Yeah, I I always think that that a lot of people hold a lot of silica in their bodies and in their hair. I think of the story of Samson and how strong he was, and then when his hair was cut, he wasn't strong. That's a, a, a vision that I have often about about the strength of hair. I was reading your book, and, and I wanted you to maybe read um, a couple of paragraphs, especially in that first in that first chapter. Do you have it there where you can? I do indeed. And I want to laugh because Anastasia was re- talking. How you write? Thank you. Yes. Can um, Anastasia? Can you hear me? Okay. I'm on Skype this time. Yeah. Yeah. We hear you fine. <sighs> Okay, so I wanted to read uh, the part because of what Anastasia said about digging in the dirt. I wanted to start with the In the Beginning, Chapter 1. Can I do that? Absolutely. I climbed into my little ditch, my studio, my study. It was just deep enough for me to sit in and hide my preschool self. The huge steel grate at the end of it was a little scary, a little threatening. It mesmerized me. Mum would peek through the front room window of our townhouse. She and God always seemed to know exactly where I was and what I was doing in those days. Snuggling into the grassy edges and even into the mud, I would tune in. And then it would begin, scenes unfolding from my life before this life or in my mind where I came from. Their language of lights and colors rolled through my mind, reveries filled with feelings of love, of being loved, of belonging, home to me that mucky ditch is huge in my memory years later i thought that it was small and years after that totally gone covered over with dirt and grass no signs remaining of the holes my sisters and i dug there with our cousins on our way to china i remember tugging my (laughs) woolly suit (laughs) down over my dark eyebrows when i was all alone and there i was safe to explore the mysteries of myself I, the real me, the me who knew I'd never been born and I would never die. The mud, the earth, was the tender, loving presence of the goddess. How's that? Oh, I love that. But go to the next the next page where you talk about you you felt like you didn't belong here. Okay. Let me see. Um, well, I'll just keep reading. An inner knowing flowed through me. I saw it and felt it was kind of a sweet, rich chocolate, velvety flow of ancient wisdom streaming steadily behind and beneath the turmoil of our young family. Nighttimes in my little bed seemed so long. I had troubled sleeping but loved to sing. And sing I did, helping to transport myself and my older and younger sisters off to sleep. I wish I could sleep as well as they could. Some nights I felt odd. I knew I was different. I knew I didn't belong here at all. To the tune of their night sighs, I would step out onto the little doll crib by the window 
and I would call out to the stars. I always knew something. I had friends out there, including a special one I missed terribly, just as she missed me terribly, my friend who was out there where I belonged. I love it. I love the way you write. It's Thank like you, it's, it's like a melody. So um, t- tell us a little bit about your journey in life and the things that have brought you to to write this book. I noticed that, that you had mentioned uh, your hitchhiking from Canada to Africa. And why yes. Africa? And what did you gain from these experiences? Well, isn't that funny? Um, when I was, um, uh, I was so frustrated with life because I had a very angry mom and a lot of the Catholic school upbringing and a couple of very angry nuns. And you know what happens? I already know you don't belong here. And then every time you turn around, you're doing it wrong, whatever that is. So I felt sort of suicidal. And by the time I finished university and taught my first year of school, I was really wrangling with wanting to off myself, you know. And But <laughs> I laugh in retrospect because even though it always made my parents angry, I took off on a hitchhiking tour in Europe, and mostly I was headed for Africa. And the reason for that was sort of several fold, if you want to put it that way, which is I, I wanted to push the envelope as far as I could. I wanted to, I knew something about reincarnation, so I thought I'd better not die or kill myself. So I think I just need to stretch and go as far into a world I don't know as I can experience. So it was like I considered suicide but went to Africa instead. And honestly, it was the greatest thing I did. It was wonderful. Hitchhiking, meeting people on the street, the roads, you know. How long did you do that? Um, I was traveling with two guys by then to keep me safe and to keep them getting rides easier. And uh, we were there in Africa for about six months. And I did. Um, I taught school, not in, um, in their organized, just a school, a regular school. I taught for a term, six weeks, and then um, wandered some more and came up the Nile steamer train route and just wandered is what I was doing. And it was so good for my soul. Oh, my gosh. And uh, seeing people and knowing something about our souls and knowing I had been there before. And it wasn't, I wasn't on a tour, a guided tour. I was just on an inner soul tour. And that's a very strengthening thing to be, if you know what I mean, where you're just following, like, wow, I've been here before. Wow, I know these people. And I I actually really loved it. It was just amazing. I also know that you talk a little bit about the abuse background of some some people and some experiences. Why do you think a lot of intuitives and starseeds grow up with abuse and have to learn about abuse? What's the correlation? (laughs) Well, I think it's really interesting. That's a good question because I feel, and this is because I'm talking from a much more senior age thing, I've seen so many people like me who were pushed, like the, the world didn't make sense. The anger was vehement. The the abuse of little kids didn't make sense, especially when it was by by God's missionaries or whatever. And I think what happens is it pushes us out of our 3D design, and then we start to access, we, go, we leave, we go out into places that are not in that confinement. 
And I've noticed over and over again that people who are amazing mystics have been pushed out of their third-degree comfort. Not all of them, but some of them have had to be. And I think it's that way. I used to know when I was little that when when I uh, was hurt or hit a lot, I could take a deep breath, a certain kind of breath that had a lot of colors in it, and I could step right out of my body. I, I knew it and didn't feel any of that. But at that point, I could access other influences, whether it was other lives or beings or uh, whatever, you know? I think a lot of us have had to do that. Have you had that, Lavendar? Um, not not so much. I I would suffer abuse from, from classmates and people in school, and, and uh, I'd be criticized and ridiculed by people of my own age. Uh, my parents, though, re- really never abused me. I wasn't in an abusive, you know, household, but others outside, um, you know, when I, when I would wear purple eyeliner to school, (laughs) (laughs) I I, I did purple from very young. Okay. So things like that. Uh, I see now the bullying that's happening with, um, the social media. Uh, it's very frightening to me to, to see what's happening to some of these kids now because people can sit behind a computer and ruin somebody's life. Right. Oh my goodness. Isn't it something, eh? Yeah, and and there doesn't seem to be a a way to stop it. Um, how are you going to stop that? So, yeah, I think that a lot of people are um, born into families, that, uh, and maybe it'll be their last life to to encounter that. Uh, it, it seems to be a jumping off point for a lot of intuitives. Well, it's funny because I knew my mother. Um, I knew my mother, who was an angry young woman. I mean, it makes so much sense why she was so angry now, just having a bit of perspective. But I knew she wasn't that person. You know, I knew it when I was very small, when she was flailing her uh, arms and fists or whatever. I'd look at her, I'd go, that isn't who she is. It made me cry for her because that wasn't who she was. You know what I mean? So I, I think it taught us at a certain level that people were acting out of reaction um, and no one, maybe even like the kids that are bullying, no one helps them to perceive who they really, you see what I mean? We live in reaction instead of in action or in proaction because we don't really have any confidence that anybody's going to hear us. Right. I mean, that's what bullying is about, isn't it? Right. I wanted to ask you a little bit about connecting to spirits beyond and what kind of work can be done there and, What's the difference between guides and ETs? Hmm. Oh, boy, isn't that a big discussion? We could probably guess at that one because I bet you they're both in the same sometimes. Do you want to bet? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, sometimes, uh, let me see. I don't even know if I can answer that question because um, sometimes when I see beings, they look like, ETs, but sometimes they look like, uh, you know, vibrational. You know when you see those those uh, musical things that just show uh, wavelengths moving up and down and colors pulsing and so on? That's how I see a lot of guides at times. Yeah, frequency then, beams. Yeah, and, uh, and I think that we are that way sometimes, too. I can see people like that. Can't you? Yes. And, uh, yeah, so I, I'm not sure I can tell. But what I can tell is 
maybe it's the level of spiritual spirituality that's in them, you know, and you can feel it. It's so absolutely expanding and so on. And I'm still not sure who's the ET and who's the spiritual teacher. Some ETs are, um, I've experienced those ones who are very um, scary or dominant, you know. When was the uh, first time you had a had a, a high strangeness experience with a celestial being? Can you remember that? Uh, I think when I was very, very small. I don't know if I remember exactly when it was, but like when I was little and I was in bed, I could look through the, and I've written about this in my book as well, I could look through to see a reflection against the windows in my parents' dark bedroom and I saw a woman brushing her hair and sparks would fly. And she was there a lot of nights. And uh, when I asked my mother about it, she would cry and say, you're crazy. But there was definitely a woman in there. And I was probably three or four. I, I never slept that well, but I used to see a lot of beings when I was young. But that's the most vivid, the most clear one. So and I, this place that you lived... Um, after you moved from that place, did, did things like that still happen? Did they travel with you, or was, or was it confined to the environment where you were living? No, that one was confined to the environment in which I was living, yeah. I believe. And I left there around 8, right? And some of my pictures disappeared around 7. Some of my being able to see certain things were kind of faded by about 7. I think the socialization pro- uh Thing takes over, you know. Yeah, um, true, true. Um, a lot of us at that age, around seven, is where you have to decide if you're going to let the peer pressure, you know, dominate your thoughts. But the thing is that I was afraid of being crazy, right? I was afraid that I had a terrible problem, yeah. and I can I continued with that particular attitude to myself till I went through an enormous crisis and I had no choice well I had a choice but my choice was I needed to go and find out what it was that made me tick right so when you started communicating with did you ever communicate with trees did you have a special attachment to trees I did I did and I used to hug them a lot and um I felt like they were um Remember, I was in the Catholic thing. I felt like they were my protectors, actually. Yeah. I, I Did felt you? that way about the trees also. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about karma and what you okay. think karma is and how we create our reality. And is it possible to just drop your karma and go on with a new uh, set of codes? Well, I believe, okay, what I think karma is, is that we have all these records printed somewhere in our, coded, as you said, somewhere in our soul's journey. And I remember my mother, uh, as I said, was um, kind of wild and angry and very young, too young to be having all these kids. And, uh, and the husband didn't have much money. So anyway, many years later, when I was having spontaneous past life things, I realized that I was a very wealthy uh, ship person, a person who, uh, captain of a ship. And I was taking all kinds of wonderful things around the world in this great big huge wooden ship. And then my wife, at the time as I was leaving this, our beautiful sumptuous home in North, Northern Europe, 
she was sitting there and I was staring and she was crying and saying to me, don't go. I just don't feel good about this. This feels terrible. And uh, something's going to happen to you. And I just gave her holy old heck. And as I was looking at her, I kept thinking in my visioning, she looks familiar in the eyes. And I suddenly thought, oh, my gosh, it's my mom, right, from this life. And I was married to her. And she was telling me a psychic thing. And I was saying, you're crazy. And boing, when I got that whole past life experience I back to what karma is to me anyway I had this like resonance running through my body that I had done that to her and she was um, still grieving from it and maybe still she was very very heartbroken I broke her heart because I did go down the ship went down there was a mutiny and I remember going down in the Atlantic and having this huge beam whack me on the head and uh, and as I died, I thought, she told me, she told me, she warned me, and I didn't listen. And that somehow, to me, was kind of the epitome of the programming that comes from our vivid life experiences, maybe in other lives. Um, we could probably, uh, there's a lot more information that could be drawn from that, like how many times have I had to to realize that others that, that I wouldn't listen to others many, many a time and that I had betrayed my own knowing about the intuitive, which was very ancient in my soul's journey, you know? And but also me, your that, mom in this lifetime, you know, would tell you that you were crazy. Exactly. So she turned the tables on me if you want to look at it that way, right? Yeah, right. Good. So do you so, think that it's possible to work through your karma and drop it or erase it or just have it go into a suspension mode? I believe, okay, I'm an energy person, you're an energy person, and um, I think Ariel is too. Eh? In, in any case, what I feel is it is very much possible. I've not mastered that yet. But I do find this, that where, where we understand in our body-mind, where the push-pull, where the uh, relentless drive into something, we can sit there and be in the vibration of knowing that that's a karmic pull. And if we don't act into it or react against it, we can kind of neutralize it. I know that. I don't know how I know that, but I know that. And um, can I do that with everything? No, I don't think so yet. At least I haven't got that kind of life going yet. (laughs) Does that make sense? But my guides have said off and on, they say, look, the vibrations have shifted on the planet and you know there's a lot of downloads um, coming in through the universes that are raising our fields and frequency in a huge way. And we, that can raise us above the reality that we have lived on a subconscious level. It can actually raise us. So I believe that if we really get with raising our fields and frequency, we can drop off a lot of those darker um, programs. You know, one of the things, Veronica, that I'm finding with my clients, and it's been happening now for several months, is I'll be tuning into the reason a person decided to raise their hand and come to the planet. And maybe they had made contracts <laughs> with with souls, soulmates that they had lived, loved, and died with, because, you know, we have a lot of soulmates. But sometimes those contracts are no longer valid, 
and canceled or maybe the people are not on the planet anymore so many things seem to be changing so swiftly it's like one year yeah, i may I think a certain thing about you know all of this and then a year later it's like okay there's the eraser it's gone <laughs> are you finding that uh, yeah, I am finding that there's no way of actually assessing like we used to, yeah, of what it is. I, I'm interested in how you put this. This might be some good learning for me, that we have many, many soulmates. And uh, so in answer to the question about karma, I go, well, if some of them are off the planet now, I really just saw vibrationally, as you said that, that many of them are no like you said no longer connected and that's the end of karma on that level isn't it yeah it is mm-hmm. no, no longer applies it no longer plays the ping pong is gone exactly and for me there's another way of saying it is similar i think it's a similar meaning i just need to play with this is that if we don't go into reaction or resistance or any of those things right yeah uh, uh it's the same thing in a way like it at all is gone or it disappears. So I may not have been seeking out who is the soulmate, but I can feel the push-pull and I know to not allow that to decree my behavior or my connections. Does that make sense? I noticed that after 2012 that there was this vibrational energy, and it wasn't so much about the Mayan calendar like everybody was looking at. It was about the vibration of the star seeds and the DNA and the consciousness of the planet. And the bloodlines seemed to be rising up. And there seemed to be a whole different way of processing information. It's like our brains just went into, you know, super drive. <laughs> and, and a lot of people were just turning into information junkies and just reading everything <laughs> they could get their hands on. And before that time, they weren't even interested. So it was like right. a huge wake-up call that started happening all over the planet. Did you find well, that and to be awaken- true? Yeah, yes, and the word awakening has just really spun itself into our societies uh, so quickly, has it not? Yeah. And look at the election. Isn't the election kind of responsive to that as well? Because it's like, it's chaos, isn't it? And yeah. It's, but, you it's know, like out the of book chaos, of good is going to come out of this. When all this hullabaloo is over about these... <laughs> these people that are saying and doing things that are just so outrageous. Um, I, I just I just know that somehow there's going to be a clearing. When, when, when the dust settles, then we're going to have a whole new way of, of thinking. This might be something attuned to a revolution that's coming. Because yeah, I love that. Because it's up. <laughs> you know, there's Bernie Sanders. He has his democratic point of view about Wall Street and about – giving, you know, free health care to everyone and to making education free to everyone like all the other countries in the world. And then there's Trump who d- does and say, says all the outrageous things, a lot of outrageous things that a lot of us think about but we, we don't say. You know, he's <laughs> totally, you know, he's a Gemini with a Sagittarius moon. So, therefore, whatever hits his brain hits his mouth. And he, he has <laughs> So it's Are you like, there? okay, we'll just wait till all this is over and see what comes out of it. I think something good will come out of it eventually. I do too, because like I, I, I the way I think of it is that it's being everything is being stirred up in the book of Revelation. I keep laughing about the biblical stuff about Revelation, so as I'm going, well, the book of Revelations has been open because take a look at everything that's being revealed. 
it's almost hilarious to think that there's something stable or dangerously stable. The only thing I don't like at all is the war stuff, you know, but, um, you know, we can't figure out what's going to happen. I think you're right. We can't tell what's going to happen, can we? But but I think that we're headed toward a, a new civilization, a new way of thinking. I think when the dust settles that there's going to be people that will rise up to be taking their power back from from all these characters on the planet that have been trying to wire us up with their thinking. And I think that we're revolting against the the Illuminati action and the and the things that have been placed on us by the pharmaceuticals and the GMOs and I think there's enough and banksters. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you, and I think that it's um, I don't know how you see, but like next year, 2017, but I I keep being told it's going to be an increase in uh, in the sort of the startling chaotic part and some of it being scary but right after that it's going to be very very sweet that's yeah. what I keep hearing and I'm like wow am I being deluded but I think I like hearing that yeah I think we're going to have more archaeology digs and more things coming out of the earth that are going to um, give us more information about uh, things that have happened here before you know, when they found a battery that was working in in the pyramids, I went, "Whoa, a battery that's working!" <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, yeah. And also, there's this thing about the melting um, ice caps. Apparently, there's an awful lot of archaeological stuff coming to the surface up there. Yeah. Did you hear that as well? Yes, I have. I've I've heard several things about what's happening up on the North Pole and South Pole. And it makes me wonder about Bird, you know, when he flew into the inner earth somewhere and then came back out and started telling people what he saw and everybody thought he was crazy. I think something like that may happen again where people will be allowed to go into the inner earth and come out and tell the world about it. I think that the whole word reality is up for grabs in the next while. Yeah, what is reality? Yeah, Yeah, because we've talked about two Earths and we've talked about uh, changing, you know, parallel realities and all of that. I think it's all slipping around and I think more people have uh, more mutability regarding that. Do you think that's true? That's kind of how I'm perceiving it. I do. I do think that. Um, In your book, you talk some about being invisible. Have you experienced being invisible? I have. I have several stories where I just simply uh, became non-existent in front of people. Have you had that happen? I have, but not in as dramatic a way as I'd like to say, but I, I used to just go into that space and know nobody will see me and nobody did. But I don't know if I could look down at my shirt and see that I'm not there, you know. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Can you do that? Uh, well, things that were, when I was in, in, in ET training and they were training me, and they and they trained me and not tell me. See, they put me through things and then later explain what just happened. Like I would, uh, I was living in Las Vegas, and I um, had a uh, hairdresser that I I like to meet her at the race book, and we go play horses. And I'd, okay. I'd, I'd tell her to meet me there, you know, at one o'clock at post time, at, so that we could get our numbers together. And so I'd stand there, and I was waiting for her, and she never showed up. 
And then when I got back to, to the place where she was, I said, well, where were you? She said, I was there. And she showed me stamp tickets, and we were 30 seconds apart buying our tickets at the same ticket place, and neither one of us saw each other. And and it was mutual, right? She didn't see you. She was invisible, and I was invisible. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> at the time, it made me pretty nuts. <laughs> Can you do that now? I have no idea. I have. I mean, I didn't. I didn't know I was doing it then. It's like so I guess that is was, that is a thing. Is that a thing we can do consciously? I'd like to think it is actually. Now there was a time when I needed to be invisible going through customs, and mm-hmm. I really pulled that one off. Did you? And I had a girl that was traveling with me, and and that morning I said, "Oh, please do not wear that red jumpsuit." I said, "It'll be harder for us to go through customs if you're wearing red." She said, "Well, I'm going to wear red." I said, "Okay." I said, "Well, I'm wearing black." and I'm going to be invisible going through customs. So sure enough, she was wearing red. She got stopped. She got searched, and no one even paid any attention to me. And and, and I went through without having my uh, passport stamped, and yet when I got on the other side, it was stamped. <laughs> I have oh, my that. God. Wow. Now that's marvelous. But I, I don't know if I could if that would happen today or not. In those days, I was really under high ET scrutiny, and they were running me through all kinds of of, of realities in, in those well, years. Let me ask you this. Tell me about high ET scrutiny. I want so much to be connected, and I believe that I am, only I don't know it. Do you know what I'm saying? I do know it. Don't tell me you don't know it. No, but I mean, I'd like to be able to ream out some details and say these are my experiences, right? Well, I think but, that's coming. Uh, I think you've had some that, that that probably they've given you little shots and you just don't remember right now. And and someday they just may uh, open up that vault of knowledge in your head and go, oh, that happened to me then? Oh, I get it now. <laughs> now you're ready to see it, and maybe then you weren't. Yeah, because I used to be pretty shaky. I think it's just so exciting, and I have since I was little. I wouldn't watch. I mean, I saw Close Encounters, but mostly I didn't watch anything to do with ET shown in movies and stuff because I believed and I didn't want to be scared. Period. Well, see, right? when your fear leaves, is when they'll show up. Yeah. So you just have to come to terms with how fearful you are about seeing people that don't look like you. You know, I think I told I you this three, one. I was pretty Go alarmed, ahead. but uh, he was like, you know, nine feet tall, and he had 300 teeth, and he was blue, and it was pretty shocking, you know. And and when was that? Was that a long time ago? That was 1970, let's see, 74, 75, somewhere in there. And, but uh, so, I was in, so my question is, can you, can you, uh, is it like a frequency that they let you see through? Is it? Well, when they when they materialize, they materialize in the third dimension that way. I mean, oh, they okay. physically come. They phys- I mean, it, you can reach out and touch them. They're 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 not a, a dream or illusion. They're they're physical. They but they I have a way of changing their rate of vibration for them to be in the third dimension. But they don't stay here very long. They just stay for a few minutes and then they go. Hmm. 
I love that. I think I told you once the last time I was on the show that I was driving up uh, um, a, a street in Tucson called La Cañada, and I'm Canadian, so that was appropriate. And I'm driving up the street. There's a lot of cars, and coming past the other in the other direction, there was a little brown hillman. Now, this is in the 90s, and there were no hillmans in, in probably in most of America by then. But um, the, the hillman was being driven by a woman with a very sweet little flowery hat on. She looked like a lady with the pursed lips and all that you have out of a caricature of a, a lady going to church or something. And as she drove by, her whole guise melted, and I saw that she was literally an E.T. And, she, and I know she looked at me, and she laughed and I was driving, I'm like, oh, my gosh, look at that, you know. And my understanding was like there was a veil of frequency that was pierced for some reason. Yeah. Does that make you sense? know, there's a movie. It's a B-graded movie, and it's called They Live. I think it's a great training film for people that want to know how, how some ETs function on the planet. And uh, it's about these two guys that get these glasses, and they put them on, and they look at, at humans, but then when the glasses turn them into ET, it's like it shows that they're ETs underneath the humans. Ah, is that a current show? Because I think I saw the ad for it. Oh, no, it's not. It, it came out in 1988. It's a B-grade movie. It, sometimes you'll see the reruns on some of the movie channels. It's called They okay. Live. Yeah. Wow, that sounds it sounds good. Is it good? It's a very yeah yeah it's a, it's it's very it's a very good training film for people to understand how things are functioning here with the with the human ET interaction yeah it's 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 really good to it's a good one to see you can get it on Netflix or or you know of course we don't have Blockbuster anymore um, but you can find it you can find it's called They Live okay. a really They good Live. Okay, and so you think that there's an awful lot because I bet you the ETs make movies, do they? No, what? <laughs> you say? I said, I bet you the ETs make movies for us, right? You know, yes. Well, you know, look at our our friend um, Craig Capabesso. He's done Stranger at the Pentagon, and and he's got a lot of ET influence in the making of that film. Hmm. What's it called? A Stranger at the Pentagon. Oh, okay. I haven't heard of that one. Talk oh, to he that um, he did the short. He did the the short film, which is like twenty minutes, and now he's doing the big film. And you can find it. You can type in "Stranger at the Pentagon." It's about an ET that lived at the Pentagon. This is a true story uh, for hmm. three years, and and hmm. dealt with President Eisenhower. Oh wow! And now, of course, his granddaughter is talking a lot about it herself. Um, I can't remember her name right. Now. Oh, Laura Eisenhower. You mean Eisenhower? Okay, Eisenhower's granddaughter, not the ET's granddaughter. Uh, his name was Valiant Thor. He came uh, to tell the world the truth about everything, about energy. They came with, with all kinds of good intentions, and of course, the generals and the military, and and they said, oh, we can't have that. We can't control. You know, they poo-pooed it. But he shows in that in that twenty-minute short film. You know the the interaction that happened uh, with Valiant Thor in our government. It's a very wow. very interesting story, and it's and it's being conducted by ETs from. I mean, they have allowed Craig to step forward with, with this 
uh, presentation, and it's guided by them all the way. Hmm. And there's several other movies out there that are being done the same way. And a lot of people oh, wow. are are getting the thought to write movie scripts. In fact, I've got two movie scripts that I'm going to be taking with me on this trip that people have sent to me. And in uh, and, and one of them, they've even made me a, as a character. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Wow. Yeah. But the other thing is that we've known for a long, long time that ET information, I mean, that's been really strong in the, in the I know, Second World War, right? Didn't they get a lot of technology from them? Well, I, I think after after the Roswell incident is when it really... Um, and that was 47, I think, okay? Seven. So the war was already over. But I think they also had a lot of information in the Second World War. From well, I ET. think the Nazis had some ETs working with them for a while that we didn't know about. How fascinating. Yeah. And so so I keep thinking it's because we aren't, okay, I don't know how you become able to see them. You see, I think there's a, a barrier of some sort, which maybe for me is just my vibration or something. If you have fear patterns in your system, they will not they will not show themselves to you because it would not benefit you to be frightened by them. So, so they don't they may be in the room with you right now but you can't see them because they're giving you energy and giving you thoughts and helping you with your life but maybe you don't need to see them for it, for it to be real. I mean maybe it's happening already and you just know maybe you don't need to see them. But I want to I know. <laughs> and when you and when your fear patterns are gone, they will show themselves. So how many times a day do you see them? Do you see them very often? I don't really uh, see them like that anymore, uh, like okay. I used to, because I'm not in training with them anymore. I'm through with my training, and I've, I'm doing other things. And I'm I'm very aware that um, they come and go, and I'm very aware of drop-bys and walk-ins and, and experiences that I have with people at Walmart. <laughs> um, <laughs> really? Yeah, it's and I I'm I'm very sensitive to electromagnetic frequencies now, and I see some of the technology that's really screwing up our planet. That's that's a very uh, main focus of mine right now is how do we get our balance back after technology comes and really messes with us. The cell phone towers, the cell phones, the way that people are dependent on having their cell. These women that put their cell phones in their bras are coming up with oh breast God. cancer. And people that are wearing the Bluetooth on their ears, you know, they're coming up with brain cancer. And these kids are sleeping with their cell phones, and their brains aren't developing properly. I mean, I could go on and on and on about this. What do you think the solution's going to be? Okay, so when we say all this, I go, but we know different ways. Like I keep thinking, is this sort of a mass uh, training wheel for us to be better intuitives on mass, you know? So we don't need all these machines? Is that the um, natural wave of growth beyond it? Maybe so. But the day that the computers go down, the day the satellites go down, and it, it will rock us back, I mean, we'll go back to horse and buggy when that happens. Wow. And you think it's going to happen, don't you? That maybe we'll be smart enough to know what technologies 
that will work for us and the ones that won't. Yeah, I think that's inevitable that will be happening in our future. I really see that happening. Don't know when, don't know where. I think it's coming. Wow, that's really interesting, isn't it? I've thought about that a lot, but I also think something else, which is that I think we can just move vibrationally up and out of this reality consciously. Of course. And uh, Yeah, so then that changes, to me anyway, that changes a lot of that outcome for some people, right, for some realities. Let's talk a little bit more about your book. So if people get your book, what can they expect to gain from reading your book? Okay, one of the greatest things that I have, biggest compliments I get is people say, this is really about me. Because the, one of the things that I, the book is about, and I really vivified it by writing the book, is when I got blocked, it pu- I pushed myself to move up and over and really discover more and more about myself. So it's really a series of adventures in a lot of ways, you know, like going to Africa, getting married, living in a slum and doing community development, being very active in the 60s. But over and over again, the questions I asked of myself is, what is reality? Who am I? And uh, I think in some ways it's fun and it's really inspiring. And uh, and it's a constant series of of, of uh, experiences of getting closer and closer to myself and seeing more, thinking I was crazy, learning to use nutrition to balance my visions, balance my health, change my whole well-being, and then getting visions that I could ask for, control, use, you know, like it was breaking into a code. All of that was like taking charge of whatever wasn't really working in my life and was confusing me and turning it into something that was the advantage of Veronica, the advantage of who I really am instead of the socially imposed reality you see see that kind of a search and so i'm kind of proud of it for that reason and when people say this book is about them too it just means to me that we all need to be finding who we really are because therein lies the power of creating a reality and helping the planet and you know not and finding being, one another you know finding our our, our soulmates our starseed brothers and sisters people that we agreed to to meet here at this exciting time because we're going to have some very big events happen on this planet when ETs decide to show themselves simultaneously all over the planet, and the government's too late to tell us anything at that point. It's like, really? <laughs> what are they going to say? Are you going to going to believe us or your lying eyes? You know, are they going to do that? <laughs> well, don't you think that setup of seeing the corruption that's going on is going to prepare us for all that? Yeah, we all just. So. Dismiss so what the get, media says. Let's mm-hmm. Tell us how to get a hold of your book. Okay, it's on Amazon. My book is called My Near Life Experience or How Do I Know When I'm Really Me? <laughs> and I, I think that's a fun question for most of us. <laughs> and it's on Am- <laughs> Amazon. Okay. So I'm seeing, I'm looking at the time and I'm also knowing that Arielle is sitting there with a the switchboard. Will you be able to talk to maybe some callers that want to call in and talk to you? I would love to talk with callers. Thanks. Okay. Yes. So mm-hmm. I will leave you now and I'll talk to you in a few days, Veronica. So thank back you, to you, Arielle. Lavendar. Yeah, thank you. Okay. 
Well, at this time, uh, the switchboard is open, so if you are already listening on the phone, then all you need to do is press 1 so we know that you have a question for Veronica. And if you're listening on the computer, then you should dial 917-889-8292, and then once you're in, press 1, and um, you can talk to Veronica. So while we are waiting for people to do that, um, I just want to say that I really enjoyed um, <laughs> the fact that you were you were interviewing Lavendar while she was interviewing you, and uh, uh-huh. seems like you've had you've had a lot of uh, you know similar experiences as I'm sure a lot of our listeners have, because the the whole condition of of being a starseed and the awakening and the layers. Um, as you said, I mean your book. It's your story, but it's a it's a a um, a common story for for star seeds. When people read this book, they're going to identify with it because there's a lot of um, let's say common experiences or or traits that that star seeds share. I love the so, fact that there's so many star seeds, and the waking up is coming up in a big massive way. Is it not? Oh yeah, yeah. Um like well just um what was it last week? Last week um we had our 7th anniversary for um being online with the Starseed Hotline website and in that time we have seen such a growth um when we first started if you put Starseed in the search um you know engine not very much would come up, and now it's just page after page after page. Um, and when we get we get people from all over the world, and they are saying the same things. So it's really kind of a a, a unique vantage point to to see what's what's going on in the starseed world. And there are literally millions upon millions of starseeds on the planet. And you can't build and, a wall. Well, no. I mean, the 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 starseed energies are, even if they're not um, awake, there's still something. Um, let's say, in frequency, there's just a, a little bit more, you know. And then when mm-hmm. they wake up, then then the the gates open, and you know, things can be discovered, abilities and um, remembrances. But it is—it's it, a beautiful thing to watch, as um, and some people who have um, kind of been around our our community for for several years, um, that we're watching the growth that's happening to them, and um, you know, expansion and um, new abilities come in. So, and it's actually like we we all activate one another, don't we? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it wasn't that long ago, Ariel, where it was really hard to meet anybody, at least in, in my reality. It was really hard to meet other people like this, right? Now it isn't at all. Yeah, well, you know, there's – and I tell people this a lot. Um, there's there's like – you can look. If you really, you know, get your, you know, get yourself focused – you can look at people walking by on the street 
and and just start developing like nope that's a star seed uh, no not that one <laughs> oh yeah there's another one <laughs> uh, you know I mean I do that at the airport to amuse myself I'm just watching people walk by and there's just an energy or something that is discernible um, from another star seed when when another star seed is in the vicinity. Um, I don't know if it's kind of a, a homing signal. Lavendar calls it the uh, galactic GPS that we have in our, <laughs> in our brains. That it kind of it's kind of beeps and and helps people to uh, you know coordinate on each other's positions. Um, but even even in in work environments, in work environments, you probably most people would kind of uh, um, stay in the closet, so to speak, but. They know. I mean, it's like there's someone else in my job who I really think she's a star seed, and um, you know, and I, I've talked to these people, and, and they just sooner or later um, they start having a conversation. So, yeah, we do activate each other, and um, I'm, I'm watching. I'm watching the switchboard here, and we've got um, we've got a caller about to come out of the screening room. So we'll be pick, we'll be picking that up, and uh, just let me repeat that number for anyone that would like to um, ask a question of Veronica. The number is nine one seven eight eight nine eight two nine two, and then once you're into the switchboard, then you press one so that we know you want to come on the air. So yeah, there are there are um, a lot of star seeds, and. And I think I would just say this to the to the general public that your presence on this planet has power. Whether you realize it or own it, it still has power, and it is an uplifting energy. It's a it's a higher vibration, and things can things can happen as a result of that that really you didn't plan on. You know, just it's just a frequency that you carry, and you broadcast it to other people, and <laughs> you, and you can't know. control it, really, can you? Well, no, not really. Um, it's it's just well, it's, it's like you know, you've got blue eyes, okay? That's what it is. You can't change it, um, but you can um, uh, you can be aware of it, and and pretty soon you start noticing a lot of other people. Whose eyes look just like yours, and that's really where the where that where that presence comes through. I think. Yeah, so, I love um, that. It does. <laughs> it does. So we have um, our caller is ready. You're going to be talking to Peg, and let me get your mic open, sweetie. All right, Peg, you are on the air with Veronica. Hi, Veronica. This is Peg. Hi. Hi, Peg. Welcome to the show. How are you? Good. Hey, um, I was listening to your show. It's very, very good. Um, question came up I was thinking about was like the ETs. You know, you guys are talking about ETs being more um, around us. Mm-hmm. And I was just curious on, um, you know, I, too, am kind of afraid of them in a way. And did you hear what Lavendar said about that? Yeah, she said if you're not if you release the fear, they'll show up. Mhm. Okay. So when I have them sometimes come to my um here at the house 
at night, I see that white light, you know, like a like a like a ball. Mhm. I think it's them. Is that that's them, right? Hopefully. Yeah, it's good. I believe it is. You have yeah. a lot of that energy around you. You know that, eh? Yeah, you you had mentioned to me um, when I did the readings with you that I have like ETs around with the guides and the angels. Mm-hmm. And many more um, ETs than I've seen around many other people. So it's, more, it's, uh, yeah, lots, lots more. Almost like, like there's a neighborhood in which an aspect of your higher self is comfortable with that. That's how I would put it. Oh. Mhm. So you oh. might be afraid on the third dimension, but what we're talking about today, a lot of times, is about how many dimensions we live in. And, um, you know, some of them download into the third dimension, as Lavendar was saying. But I yeah. see on a certain level, and we I, did you hear the discussion saying uh, what's the difference between an ET and a guide? And I think sometimes there isn't much if they have a really high-frequency energy and they're in a different dimension and they're having an impact or influence on you. I really don't think there's a whole lot of difference. Um, but you have a number of ETs around you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was, um, is that due to the fact that I go into the um, Galactic Healing Center mm-hmm. a lot? And they're there? Hmm. That's good to know. Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is thinking about that okay yeah well i thank you for your call do you have anything else to ask um i well for my for my energy do i look does my health look good it does actually um i'm going to the dentist tomorrow because i have a a a sore on my gum on the upper right or the roof of my mouth actually in the front and i don't know if it's might be because I have like a overbite. Okay. It just bothers me, and I was kind of. What well, What I want to say is that you have a kind of an anxiety running because of several issues, and all uh, it is is a little uh, hyperacidity. Okay. So I, I would probably want you to do a mouthwash of aloe vera or something. Okay, I can do just that for a little while. Yeah, I know you can, and also that'll help you alkaline your alkali yourself, right? Oh yes, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Even People oregano, home, the oregano oil. Yeah, that would probably do it. I, I think that would do. Maybe a little bit harsh. But I just want to remind people at home, in case you don't know it, you could be alkalizing like mad. And then if you have a certain kind of anxiety or really, you're, you can shift from alkaline system to acid system in a heartbeat. And that's something to pay attention to when it comes to this sort of thing. I, I would go into alkalinity first. Okay. I will do that. Thank you very much. And I always check with your dentist and stuff, too. You know that. Oh, yes. I'm going in tomorrow for my cleaning, teeth cleaning. Good so girl. Well, thanks for your call, Peg. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You have a great evening. And you thanks. too. Thanks for calling, Peg. Bye-bye. Well, that was that was a really, really good question. And, um, you know, the, the energies, if you think about the, you know, the energies of of fear, anger, 
um, negativity, depression. They're all really heavy, um, heavy, dense energies. And mm-hmm. and the ETs just, they can't tolerate it. It's like fingernails on a chalkboard to them. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if people that want a, a, um, an encounter, uh, you have to go to their frequency because they can't come down if you're, you know, if you're stressed out and, and depressed and angry and fearful and any combination of the above, um, it, they just can't, they can't go there. It'd be like, you know, like us having to go underwater for a really, really, really long time. Um, we just couldn't make it. So um, that has to be purged if, um, you know, if you want to have um, more contact or or at least uh, some some consciousness about them but but I, you're absolutely right if you if if you if that fear is there um they may be around but they just won't show themselves well that sure makes sense doesn't it i mean it's like i don't want to go into that group of people either because it's all heavy <laughs> well yeah yeah I mean, you wouldn't walk into a bar where everybody was drunk and fighting. You know, it's like I'm not going in there. So, <laughs> you know, kind of, kind of the same thing. You know, uh, um, Planet Earth is something, something like a, a bar brawl um, a lot of the time, and uh, and they just can't. You know, um, um, James Gilliland, who has the East Seti Ranch up in in Washington, and they yes, have. Yes, I've been there. You know, mm-hmm. oh, you've been there. Mm-hmm. A long time ago. Well, yeah, well, that was he really drove that point home because when um in that area when people go there, they're in the right vibration. So they get displays and shows and you know the the ships choreographed almost like a dance in the air. Um and it's and it's because the the vibration is not abrasive to them. Mhm. Uh, you know, so and that that really <clears throat> really drove it home because it is that that dense harsh um, energy that that we're all kind of stuck with in the third dimension, and you have to you just have to take that step up, like you were saying you did. You just you know you hit the block. You just take a step up. You can't go left. You can't yep. go right. You have to go up. Change the so, energy. Um, change the reality. I love that line. Oh yeah. And your and your other um, famous quote <laughs> that I use all the time: <clears throat> "What other people think of me is none of my business." <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. I can't tell you how often yep. I quote. I love because that it's so because it's so true. Actually, if you think about what, what if she's mad at me? That drops your frequency really hugely right there, doesn't it? Well, yeah, yeah, and and uh, you know, if someone passes judgment on you that goes on their bill not yours <laughs> that's how i look at it um because it, it judgment is is a a very um it's it's one of those heavy energies that that keep you really kind of quagmired in the third dimension judgment fear you know um and it's actually a projection most of the time isn't it well, yeah, uh, people will judge you and that they're really judging something about themselves that you happen to be reminding them of, <laughs> maybe. You know what uh, I you know what I say, Ariel, if somebody's judging me, I go, take a number. 
<laughs> and I, I have, you know what? It always makes them laugh, and it breaks that. Because if people laugh, the frequency will move, right? Oh, yeah. And you get out of that lock. Yeah, it's it's always good to practice. I see it, everybody at home. It's always really good to practice a few lines that you can use under those circumstances because it's really important for us to keep moving our fields and frequencies up there. I call it, I, I call it my kind of politics. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. So um, if anyone else has a, a question, um, now's the time. Uh, if you're on the switchboard, dial, uh, if you're on the computer, dial 917-889. 8292 and then press 1 once you're into the switchboard and if you're already on the switchboard all you need to do is press 1 and you can talk to Veronica. So do you uh you do sessions and um um counseling sessions for people? Yes, I sure do and I love it. I've done a lot of them actually. And um how can if someone wanted to have a private session with you would they just <laughs> go on your website is that set up for to do that yeah yes and then they can connect that way or i can give my phone number as well shall i do that i don't know if you want to give your phone number i mean unless it's just your business phone and that's fine but um you know this is public internet radio (laughs) (laughs) well here's the thing i want to say about about sessions that they really do help you to become your real self and what is our real self i think that what's a true nature of you or anyone else, is going to change as well. It has to because we're talking about change, the energy, change the reality. And as you raise your fields and frequency and learn to be more and more conscious about your role and your contribution and the evolutionary quality, oh, my goodness, your true nature has then, you know, truth changes as you grow, doesn't it? Right? Well, sure, yeah. And things that are important also change. You know, things that exactly. you used to care about, now you don't at all. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like the the whole sections of reality just drop off, eh? So I love to do sessions because it really helps people find more of themselves. And also, you know, it helps people more and more become healers or conscious influences on other people's well-being, and I think that we need that. We need that, right? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we are all here to extend a helping hand. And whether it's, you know, to another fellow starseed who's struggling or to just, you know, give someone else a smile, little, you know, random acts of kindness, um, showing, you know, grace and compassion for others, things that we can do every single day. And it in the in the process of trying to empower and uplift others, we uplift ourselves. It's just a byproduct. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, don't you? The more the more you um, the more you try to empower someone else, the the more you are, are actually empowering yourself by that. Um, you know, caring and, and all your judgments, all of the things that you might have had in the way before. You're releasing all that for compassion and love and um, I think also um, trust in how the world can evolve, like humanity can evolve, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think we, we all believe in, 
Yeah, I mean, as, as starseeds, we know that humanity must evolve in, into a, a higher dimension, and that's, that's the process that we're here to facilitate. Um, you just said something that made me think of something else, and now it went away. Um, I'm going to try to back up a little, a little bit here. Um, wait a minute. I can't remember what I was about to say. So. <laughs> but I just want to say this. Uh, isn't it interesting with the star seeds awakening and awakening probably since 2012, although I hadn't seen the demarcation quite that clear yet. I see it as a little bit more straggly, but it looks like uh, uh, around and around and around the world is this unfolding wave um, I, I want to call it potential or possibility. It's kind of a light shimmering wave amongst people connecting and activating people all around the world. And I keep thinking, you know, I'm not sure about the two earths that Eckhart Tolle talks about or uh, various people, but I keep thinking that as we uh, star seeds keep rising and opening like that and connecting with one another, we really are creating a whole other dimensional reality, aren't we? And we're living in a different dimension in time. That's what I kind of believe is happening. I'd say kind of, because all beliefs are are open to the next level, aren't they? (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, we are all in that that process, very, you know, um, different positions on the road, and um, I had a chiropractor a long time ago that said something that always stuck with me um, is that when you encounter someone who is behind you on the road, um, meaning not quite as advanced or developed as you, um, don't judge them for that because you were there one time, just like you wouldn't want the people who are ahead of you on the road to to do that to you. So it's it's about extending that helping hand um, behind you and and in front of you, uh, because we're all on different, we're all on the same road, but on you know <laughs> in a, a, a different positions, and we are going to do this. We are already doing it. I mean, there is so much um, more light on the planet that even in the last few years, as more people no, are waking huge. up, it's huge. And it's not yeah, just and the people. I think there's this incredible downloads coming from the universes, actually. And, and they're also imbuing the earth with uh, uh, more um, high frequency. So the people are, and it's like you said earlier, it goes around in a circle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, actually, we had, a, we had a, um, another guest on a while ago who was talking about um, an infinity wave, which is from the 10th dimension, and and they are beaming help to us, but they have to kind of um, um, meter it out because if they sent us the whole thing, we'd be overwhelmed. We couldn't handle that kind of like like you know shifting uh, like throwing on all the power switches when you don't have the big enough fuses. <laughs> so you know, but they are beaming just like you said, an energy that is enveloping the planet to help us. You know. Mm-hmm. Go go a little faster, a little farther, a little easier. But there's only so much they can give us at one time without, you know, kind of swamping the boat. So, um, but that is um, what another guest said as well. So, 
Um, when you hear enough people say the same thing, you have to kind of say, I think that's true. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And how, however you perceive it is your way of um, getting in step with it so that you're not, like, overwhelmed and, yeah. Exactly. Made exactly. I think also we have to be basically insecure because if we're really, really hanging out in being secure, we're not really going to grow. We're not going to let go of um, the handholds that we've had in how life goes and what reality is, are we? Right. Right. Well, there's a, a a modern philosopher named Alan Watts who wrote a book that I read. Yes, I was uh, going to mention that. Yeah. About I was about 20 or so, um, and it's called The Wisdom of Insecurity. Right. Have you read yes, that? Yes. Yes, many yeah. years ago, but yeah. And yeah, actually, and that's, it makes so much sense. Well, yeah, yeah. When you uh, there is wisdom in insecurity, and just like you said, when you have a lot of security, you're not likely to grow because you're staying right, you know, in your comfort zone. Because you want to hang on to it, yeah. Right, right. So you don't you don't do anything that's going to you know rock the boat. And uh, I think at Starseeds, that's kind of our job is to rock the boat, um, you know, and 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 shake things up a little bit and break through some of this this dense density and um, replace it with light. Yeah, I've always been a disruptor, and I don't want to be. Sometimes I want to be one of those, uh, I used to say, I just want to call myself May and wear pink all the time and be sweet little girl. But bottom line is I think a lot of us are disruptors, and we and we have to be by nature of our uh, dharma. Would you say it that way? Mm-hmm. Like disrupting well, what appears to be success or appears to be security or that sort of thing. Well, sure, it's busting illusion. You know, that's that's why I said the big picture is is there's a lot of illusion, delusion, and deception on this planet, and and the light will break through that, and that's what we're carrying. So yeah, we get. Um, back to projecting, which we talked about briefly, or judging, we get from the media. We get projections that keep our keep us limited, and we really have to. We just we really have to be disruptors. We have to just push and break our way out of it, don't we? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't live in a box and and grow. Well, certainly happen. not a box in which you rise and um, and are controlled. And they see, I, I think it's really true that we are an unlimitable species, but we have been trained and conditioned. And I think there's been a lot of uh, uh, cellular influence to keep us, you know, sort of behaving a certain way. But I think we're essentially unlimitable. What do you think of that, Ariel? I agree. I agree. And there and there gets to you get to a point of consciousness where when the you know the the um, mind control, the programming, the the you know the disinformation, when you get to a certain point of consciousness, you hear that and it's like, "Uh-uh, that's not true." You know, why why are you trying to program me for that? You know, I know that's not that's not my thought, that's not my feeling, that's not the way I feel about things, but so there, you get to a point though when you just like, 
it's blatant a, you know a yeah. blatant and and failed attempt <laughs> to uh to control and that's really what what um the the dark does not want is that 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 conscious awareness like um <laughs> i see you i know you i know what you're doing and i'm not playing yeah <laughs> but you have to but you have to be able to trust yourself to do that right because we, for me anyways to feel the pressure on me from a certain kind of newscast helps me realize oh that pressure is evidential of the projection or the influence they want to uh, keep going on us. I didn't used to like saying they, but now I do. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't well, want to get caught. It's, it's a real convenient. Stuff. It's a convenient um, um, bucket term that yeah, they and they are on the way out, and they don't like yeah, it. Yeah, they really <laughs> are. No, They're on and the I way think out. They, they might like fight. It. They might fight back a bit, right? Well, they're trying, but at this point, it's it's so chaotic that that you know, <laughs> you know, on, like on the on the Three Stooges, where one guy's swinging his arms and the other guy's holding his forehead and he can't reach him. It's like fine, <laughs> go ahead and flail away, <laughs> but you can't reach me. You can swing all you want. Um, so yeah, kind of like it's like a it, it, it can be comical. Um, oh, I just remembered the thing that I forgot. Um, about okay. laughter, mm-hmm. laughter, it, it is the quickest and easiest way to send your frequency soaring. That's why they call it the best medicine. You lift your vibration when you're laughing, and and when you think about, you know, people, you know, go out on the weekends and and they're 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 looking for something, and it's laughter. They want they want laughter and you know whatever setting they think it might happen in. If you look back on your life, some of the most memorable scenes are when you were laughing so hard that you you, you were holding your sides. Um, I know. <laughs> I mean that's like the best. Um, that's the best drug on the planet. That it's a euphoria. You know, little kids have no problem with that, <laughs> and I think we tend to lose that as we get older. Um, but yeah. Laughter and a sense of humor, which is kind of uh, two of your stocks in trade, <laughs> uh, because you can really, well, like you said, you can you can. Um, what is this that the old saying? A laugh turns away wrath. Ah, uh, yeah, someone, that's true. You know that's and that's what you said you know, when you said if someone was was judging you, you just you have a, a, a comical comeback, and then boom, you bust right through it, and it's gone. So yeah, humor is, is a really good way. And you know what's interesting way. is when you say take a number to that particular line. When I when I say take a number, invariably, what's interesting is the other person drops their judgment, drops the anger. Mm-hmm. What I mean, they don't they don't just laugh and carry on. They drop the whole thing like it's right. It's it, well, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it's a, a, a shifting that happens. So I so wonder. Is, I wonder on our political level. I wonder if uh, if that's going to happen, where the controls are not working anymore, and so on. And and if people just go, oh, well, that was the game. Okay, well, on with the next thing. You know, I wonder if we're going to find. Once years ago, when I first was talked to about, went to a lecture on awakening. It 
it wasn't just on awakening. It was about following your intuition, and a lot of it was, you know, listening to the impulses and so on, stuff way back in the early 70s. And, uh, and what, he, what he was talking about is that the consciousness is going to rise in people all over the world, which is essentially what we're talking about with the star seeds. But he was really clear. He said it's going to rise in high people in the military as well as in the government, and it's going to surprise many, many beings that they themselves feel, like, for example, somebody who's really uh, a dictator could actually be a star seed, but he's bought into a third dimension so he could wake up and become that. You see what I mean? Mhm. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I think of that, I have faith. I have faith that things could be even better, faster than we could imagine. We have that potential. You know, yeah. we could we could change the world in a in a in a heartbeat. And you know, some of the the old um, the old guard, the old powers that were. Um, you know they're kind of getting up there, and they're being replaced by um, a different breed of human. You know the the especially um, you know from the 80s on, people that were born um, they're a different breed. They have different DNA. It's it's more um, advanced, and that in itself um, is going. What they do in the world will reflect that. Um, so, I yeah, love that. It, it's just, I mean, it's just a matter. I mean, I'm looking at, at um, you know, astrological charts and, you know, generations that are born like in the 90s and in the, in the 2000s, early 2000s, um, they are all born with, with um, like Pluto in the same sign. And that, uh, like when people earlier than that, when they're born with Pluto and Virgo, these are the people that are going to completely overhaul um, medicine and hmm. go, you know return to nature, and that's just that's part of the you know the astrological. Is, that, is, the, is the Pluto and Virgo? Is that not, that's not early uh, two thousand? Is it or is it? No. Okay. No. Um, uh, it was. Let's see. I'm not. I'm doing. Trying to do math in my head, and that's not a really good idea. So, um, so let me just jump into this. So, I was Pluto in Leo, that kind of generation. What did we do? Did we were we the um, rebel? Were we revolutionary? What were we? Well, Pluto um, is a transformation of of leadership in with with um, Pluto in Leo, and mm-hmm. at that time. Um, there was, uh, you know, the it was after um, after the Second World War. I think Pluto was in Leo for most of the fifties, um, and then and then so it would be like very very late fifty eight fifty nine. That's when Pluto went into Virgo um, oh, okay. after after Leo. So it, it's basically people that are born in the sixties and maybe early seventies. They're coming of age now, and there is a shift where there's, you know, you used to not be able to buy organic food and, you know, alternative modalities and medicines and things. Um, I'm, I'm just, I just noticed on the switchboard we got another we got another caller coming in. 
Oh, um, good. But yeah, yeah. So I mean, generationally and and astrologically, these these people are born with these energies, and and they will be true to the 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 blueprint that's in their in their blood crystals. So hmm. yeah, and then and then Pluto went into after Virgo it went into Libra, and that's about the, that generation is about cooperation and um, partnerships and peace and harmony. Um, and then Pluto was in Scorpio, and that's really where you start to shake things up and break things down, and, and that's the, the phoenix up out of the ashes. So when you follow it generationally, we're on track. We're on wow. time. And, and the, um, the new star seeds that have come to the planet, um, they've, got the, they've got the charts that will make that happen. Yay, so, we want that. Yay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, in just a few seconds here, we're going to have a caller come out of the screening room, and that's probably all we'll have time for. Um, so I'll just have to wait till she's um, until she's done. Well, I just uh, want like to, to say sure in advance, this has been delightful. So thank you for the opportunity. Oh, it's it's always a pleasure to speak with you, and it's it's kind of a um, you know part of the family here. Okay, so you are going to be talking to Felicia. Let me get your mic open, sweetie. Okay, Felicia, you are on the air with Veronica. Go ahead with your question. Hi, Veronica. Um, I was just wondering, I know you do your counseling, and I'm just wondering if maybe you sense angels, like, around me. I do, actually. And also you have a very powerful guide who's a strong harmonizer, I would say it's a woman. So I see angels. When you ask the question, I see angels kind of um, not splitting, but they're uh, sort of sparkling around you. But right in the center is this woman. Maybe she's not in the center. Maybe she's slightly to your right. And she's so harmonious and peaceful. And she comes, maybe she's an angel in herself and she's stepping forward from the group because she comes in this large group of angelic beings and she um she adores you you have some trouble loving yourself enough but she adores you and to me whoever's standing there with you epitomizes who you want to become in this life who's part of your uh true nature does that sound like you wow yeah that sounds incredible um so is there like a way i can because like, I do feel like I do have angels around me. I just don't know, like, how do I connect to them? Like, I do, like, sense a presence, but, like, I don't really know, you know, do I just talk with them? Like, sometimes I do that, but, like, I don't, I don't know. Hi, okay, so do you do a meditation? Um, I haven't been meditating lately, but, like, yeah, when I do, I do meditate. Here's you know, something just, that's funny that I learned years ago and it still works really well is when you want to make that connection, do a workout of some sort like um, just do 20 minutes of dancing wildly in your living room or something and keep calling in the, uh, lights that will swish out any of the old frequencies that are in the way and then settle that light into the top of your head and then then talk to them. And I'll tell you why. It's because it activates your brain pattern and it's much easier to perceive them, either to hear them, feel them, smell them, see them, engage in them. 
But if you do something really like a rapid moving thing and um, get those endorphins going, it's going to be much, and then call them in. Then say, okay. now I'm, I'm ready to speak with you. Because you have it in you. You have a very, you have a very sweet nature. And you're a little afraid of claiming that for some reason. But it's, it's your dharma, darling. It's your dharma. And that tells me that you can clear your brain pattern and let it in. Cool. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank that was you. really amazing to hear all this. Uh, well, it was wonderful that you called in. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you, Veronica. Thank you, Felicia. All right. Thanks for calling, sweetie. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Well, it just never never fails. (laughs) Fifteen minutes we were chatting and no one had a question, and now we've got got another one coming in. So um, that will have to be the last. That will have to be the last one because we're going to be off the air. It's like seven minutes. Okay, well, I've really enjoyed it anyway. I already said thank you, thinking that we were going to be, like, right off the air by <laughs> <Yeah>. now. But <laughs> well, so am I. But, you know, I I, I see uh, someone, you know, calling, um, and we still have time, so I, I'm, I'm going to hold the door happy. open. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, sometimes it, it um, sometimes people are a little shy to talk on the radio, but once the first person does it, it kind of breaks the ice a little bit. But, um, yeah, we got one more call, and then we will have to wrap it up because, you know, the <laughs> we're going to go off the air, and there's nothing I can do about that. Because <laughs> so, um, you're going off on a crystal search, right? Well, yeah, yeah. We're leaving a week before the group does um, just to get there and get all set up. So, um we are going to be talking to a gentleman, and it looks like the name is June. So okay. let me just get this mic open, and it's spinning. Did I get your name right? Yes, June. thank you. June? Okay, well, yes. you are on the air with Veronica. So go ahead thank with your you. question. Aloha. Hi, June. <laughs> Hi, how are you? I'm very good. How are you? Um, I'm great. Thank you so much for taking my call. I know it's like last minute, but um, I was um, call, I'm calling because I'm wondering. Um, well, not too well. I guess it's been a couple of years now, but it's very intense. It's it's been coming online, but I feel energies, and um, like regularly, just period. Any like crystals, I work with crystals, and I feel energy, and I feel it on a physical level, and I do feel it very intensely. So I was wondering if you were able to give me some sort of, like, clarity or understanding, you know what I mean, of what this is. Because I feel like this isn't something that I can kind of label or put in a box. Like, you know, the typical, you know, empathic or or whatever the labels are. I feel like a lot of the, the yeah. gifts that we're coming in with are, you know what I mean? We can't really yeah, put you're, it into I words. think you're being activated. When I first looked at you, I mean, what you say, every, what every intuitive sees is different from the other intuitives, okay? So here's what I'll okay. just tell you what I see is that you've got this, like, Vesica Pisces. Do you know what that shape is? It's kind of a, an eye. You know how an eye has a point at either side of it? If you turn it on its side and the points go up and down, there's this curve that goes around both sides. 
And okay. I see that running from your throat down through your to your oh. stomach. And there's an opening okay. and an awakening coming into your heart. And it's, okay. uh, yeah. you're coming into a much more intuitive time. And I feel like it's part of your dharma to be, it's like you're being awakened at this time by your right. higher beings. And if I were you, I would really practice loving the crazy energies that are coming through because they're just activating you. Because I'm like, what is going on? And I'm just trying to understand it because, I I mean, it's all day. It's every day. It's 24-7. I'm just feeling all kinds of vibrations and energies and frequencies. And, you know, it's hard to explain to other people because they don't really understand. You know what I mean? So. And is it painful? So, yeah. Is it painful at all? Um, no, it's not painful. It sometimes could be okay. overwhelming. It can be mm-hmm. overwhelming, but I wouldn't call it pain. It's just a lot of like, and I know when stuff is clearing and leaving me at the same time. So it's like, you know what I mean? Is it, so. Does it make you cry ever? And what kind of work do you do? I cry every day. <laughs> Good. No, please. I yeah, I cry see. every day. It does. It makes me cry. It makes me cry because it's so intense it's so intense um but the work that i do is i make um organized healing galactic healing jewelry oh good Uh, well you're attracting because you're getting all these incredible frequencies coming through and you're being it's like acupuncture on a much higher level you're being prodded to Mm -hmm. awaken and it's really what we used to call in the olden days going into a process and um the process will ease off when your body is able to acclimate to the demands they're making. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I knew we were going to get finished here. No, and, I know. Uh, thank you. And uh, so tell what, what the name of your uh, jewelry is. I mean, why not? Oh, oh, thank you. Well, I mean, it's my shop. It's actually on Etsy. It's Magnificent Healing Creations, Magnificent HP. And okay. um, I... I do work with, I actually got the formula through, um, from Lavendar, and um, oh, I code the crystals with the 26, 27 frequency and um, program it with all kinds of stuff. So they're coded galactic healing energy jewelry, and it helps to um, awaken other starseeds and help wow. us you know, on, the, on the path. Yeah. So. so glad that you called in right at the very nick oh, of time. You. That is thank, so thank wonderful, you so much. June. Thank you. Uh, thank you. You're thank coming you. along, my friend. Okay. okay. That's. I'm so glad. Thank you so much for the confirmation. Yeah, and thanks for calling. Wow. Well, thank you, guys, and for your amazing work. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. you. You're so welcome. Thanks what a wonderful caller, right? Wow. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, that is all we have time for, and um, actually... Just one more time, your website is Veronica Entwistle, and Entwistle is E-N-T-W-I-S-T-L-E dot com. And thank you so much for being with us this evening, Veronica. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, Well, safe travels to you, and I've really enjoyed myself. Thank you so much, and thanks to the callers and the listeners, and many blessings. Thank you so much, Veronica Entwistle. So that is it for us this evening, and as I said, we're going to be um, gone for the next three weeks, so we will be back on May 31st, 
So over the next three weeks, you've got one assignment. Remember to count your blessings every day. Every day. Thank you so much. Every day. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you in three weeks. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 